coming in at six foot four, number one, Patty's Playbook. Hey guys, I'm your host Patty, and welcome to Patty's Playbook, the show for all you sports lovers out there. We cover NRL, NBA, NFL, plus many more sports. You can find us on Instagram, at Paddy's Playable. I can hear the sport calling us. Let's dive into this episode, baby. All right, guys. Welcome back to our weekly NRL betting show going into round six. And it's what a weekend of sport. What a weekend of sport. NBA playoffs are here. We're going to be having a podcast with Mitch in the next week regarding all that. First round playoffs, little preview. We might have got top sport involved. The UFC on the weekend, Volkanovski. Our Aussie champ just absolutely pizzled, just pizzled the Korean zombie. Just Volt was just eating, not even eating punches. Just he's so tough. He used to play in the front row, just absolutely just dominated him, bro. Honestly, it got caught off in round four. It should have been round three all over. They just he's on another level and he's just destroying that division. I don't know where he goes next. We had the F1, the Australian Grand Prix, Charles Leclerc, Ferrari shit that in. They blitz that in. That car was so quick, but. Our co-host is here and we've got the Masters to chat about. A little recap what happened last week. We absolutely nailed it. The NRLW final, of course, and our beloved rugby league, the NRL, the males. So, Christian, mate, how are you, brother? What a weekend. We're, we're flying. We've just, we're on the plane, mate. We've just, they've said, strap yourself in, put the seatbelts on. We've just taken off the tarmac. The wheels have just come up and we are, we're going up. We're going up. We're starting to, I'm loving it. Talk to me. One of your best, mate. Um, I'm feeling a lot better now that I don't have to get up at uh, 3 a.m. and sweat over those bets anymore. I don't know what, what, why we were worried at all because um, I'll tell you what, I've never had a, a weekend of uh, betting with regards to golf like that. That was talk about nailing it and getting it pretty much spot on. A lot of money was made over the weekend and it was um, you know, really good to see that we got in the green there. Beautiful. Yeah. I'll just quickly touch base on the, the master's accountability and then you can chime in with any analytical staff opinions on players or what you enjoyed over the weekend of the, um, the master's. So having a bet this week, top this top sport offers hundreds of markets to choose from across the best local and international sport and racing. And they'll let you on for plenty. Top that visit topsport.com.au. top sport. Feel the excitement. Gamble responsibly. We, as we said last week, we put six bets down. We went four of six. Tiger to make the cut. That was at $2.20. I watched him on the first day. Fantastic. Scotty Scheffler, T10. He obviously came out on top outright. Our man Cam Smith, T10. He was up there. He, he did that pretty comfortably. Unfortunately, it was a last, last round. He kind of, things kind of slipped down for him. And Colin Morikawa, T10. He was not struggling over the weekend, but he came home like a wet sail, mate. That round four, incredible. So plus 4.03 units. And yeah, I'm, I'm feeling great. So how did you, did you enjoy the weekend, the golf, the Masters? Is- it, la- it largely went how I thought it would. I've seen it play a lot more difficult than what it was. I mean, the wind picked up a lot there, a lot more than what I thought. And I think that's why you saw the likes of um, Morikawa, McElroy, those real sort of um, pure hitters of the ball um, make a charge because some people didn't deal with it all that well. Even Cam Smith, I know he flunked out at the at the back end there. That was disappointing. That triple in Amen corner, but he knows 
how to play in those conditions as well, just as good as anyone. So I really think, and I mean, of course, the man himself, the chef, um, it proved why he's world number one at the moment. Uh, three wins from five starts um, as a golf professional on the PGA Tour. That's just unheard of. First first bloke to do, um, do it since Tiger. I don't like that stat. That stat was getting thrown out quite a bit. But with all due respect to the chef, Tiger's done it eight times. So, um, yeah, really, really impressive golf nonetheless from him. And um, I'm just still in shock by it, mate. I, I really don't have much more to say other than we basically got it spot on. I think the only bloke that sort of didn't really live up was um, was Cantlay. And even my sort of uh, long shots, the boy, the Aussie boy, Minwoo Lee, wow, didn't right. have a final round to remember. That yeah, was man. impressive golf. I had my eye over him. I was like, wow, like, he was good. I like what I see, bro. I like what I see there. Very, very, very good golf there on in, in the final day. Um, yep. First time ever at Augusta to play like he did was just, I think he went six under through the first nine holes or something. And there was a few bogeys in the back nine, which took the shine off it. But I think he was in top 20. I could be wrong. I, I read something, something somewhere where he made top 20. There was value there too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was really, really happy for him. Um, despite uh, the other Aussies sort of failing elsewhere and Cam Smith falling out of contention. But let's just roll in and keep this going, eh? Yeah, mate, I love it. I think we're going to dive on, as you said last week, like I'm really enjoying the golf. We'll hit all the majors, even some other tournaments here and there we might jump on. Scotty Scheffler, I didn't know too much about him. And all weekend I was dialed in watching him and he's just cool as a cucumber, mate. He's just, he's got this weird, like unorthodox kind of technique. It's just a bit different to some of the other other um, golfers and he's just all weekend was so steady like when the pressure mounted he kind of just got through it somehow it was yeah he's he's definitely very stoic um mm. he doesn't really seem to show much emotion um nothing seems to rattle him i mean i loved what was getting around you know you know you've been impressive when you can four part to win the masters yeah um, that's probably basically unheard of but good to know that he's human a bit because you know us weekend warriors love of a good four part but yeah Definitely got the pedigree there. As you said, his footwork's very unorthodox. I wouldn't like to try it. I think I'd um, be out be out for eight weeks with a syndesmosis. But um, really, really impressed with what I'm seeing from Scotty. And it's just uh, a repeatable golf swing, solid game, good with the flat stick. And I harp on that, with, particularly with the Masters. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just, you know, nothing, every time he sort of, found trouble or anything like that. And I know I touched on this in the previous podcast, you know, he got himself out of it. And that's why I think you saw him win in the way he did. I looked at Rory McIlroy, his final round, he was getting up and down. He holed out on the last. Colin was the same. Mm-hmm. Your, your boy, Colin, <laughs> he was the same. These guys were finding trouble, but they were getting up and down and that's why they scored well. So Yep, I can't, can't, again, I'm in shock at how well we did that because golf is very, very hard to uh, to tip and be successful with, so. Awesome, yeah. mate. No. You killed it, bro. You killed it. We killed it. My last little question or topic, the GOAT, I just want to touch base on. I was watching round one, obviously, Thursday night over here for us, and he looked phenomenal, shot one under. And I think I, I messaged you in the morning, like, he looks great, but it was always going to be that question, how long can he last for? Because he looked banged up. Like he was limping around, his shoulders offset. It was, I, I just think it's so amazing how he got the four rounds out four days. Like after that second day, he didn't have the best day and he just 
you could tell he was like, fuck this. I don't care how bad I play. I'm getting through this. I'm going to make the cut and I'm going to finish this. They're like, what an achievement personally, I think for him, just outstanding. You, you've got to understand, he was looking at prosthetic legs 14 months ago. Ridiculous. And I'm, I'm now sort of seeing why we, after watching it, and this is in hindsight, after watching it, I'm now sort of seeing why we got that $2.50 odds on that because mm-hmm. he was banged up. And I think we were somewhat lucky that the cut happens on round two. I mean, it always happens on round two, but I think if that had to been in the third round, yeah, like he, he was a, he was wounded, and I, I probably think he only had two good rounds in him, and that was evident by his final score. But at the end of the day, he's the goat just for getting through that. Yeah, so impressive, mate. That's the Masters. We'll be back with golf in the near future, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you got on and um. Let's move on to some rugby league, mate. As always, this show is brought to you by Top Sport. All the top offers, all the top odds. It's only at Top Sport. And, you know, every day at Top Sport is a top day. Use promo code PLAYBOOK, P-A-L-A-Y-B-O-O-K. And the most important thing, gamble responsibly. So the NRLW, mate, the final, it was a cracker Sunday. The Roosters defeated the Dragons 16-4. to I'll quickly just run through a few little notes I've got. I thoroughly enjoyed this. It was the Roosters' third grand final appearance, and they finally got it done, their first ever premiership. Dragons scored early, went up 4-0. They had chances to nearly capitalize. The Roosters' defense was just sensational. To that credit, actually, both teams, it was just, they were giving it their all, their online defense. Um, they were just so tough and gritty. And then the Roosters strike back, they make it 4-0, and then they run, run away with it. It was, the thing I love about the NRLW as well, mate, there's no nonsense. There's, there's no milking for penalties or it's just up the guts. The girls love it, tough and strong. And it's, it's like this organic, pure form of football. I just, I really like it. I really enjoyed it. So yeah, they just play true, play hard. It was, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I, I sort of, you just reminded me there. I, I saw something that was really good. I, I started actually just since our last podcast, I really started to follow some of the girls on their social media and stuff like that, you know, to, to get around them because I do think that the, the game is, there's something there. Definitely. And I think it was Jess Sergis and you just don't see this in the male game. And I get it. It's, you know, you know, the cliche sayings of going to war and all that stuff and, you know, beating your opposite number and all that stuff. But I think it was Kezi apps that was a couple of minutes to go and they weren't going to win. And Jess posted something saying it was those two hugging after the game. And apparently Kezi's mouthed to her, oh, I'm so proud of you. Like, wow. that's huge. In your, like, these girls are in a grand final and have worked so hard to get there in a sport that's beginning, doesn't have much money behind it. I have no doubt these girls have to do other things to Definitely. make ends meet. Definitely. To say that, in such a low moment, like you, you would never see that in the male game. Mm. And I just think it was a really, like, it's probably something that will go under the radar, but it says a lot about these girls. They're, they're playing against each other, but I think there's a greater good in this game. Mm. And it's, you know, something like you said, organic, it's pure. There's no shit. We go out there and we play as hard as we can. And we're all friends off the field. I mean, we all love the, off-field drama that comes with the male game, you know, Latrell, Joey Manu, all that other stuff, you know, mm. but it was just a good change of pace and it was really pure. And like you said, I really enjoyed what I watched of it. I unfortunately got a bit caught up and only managed to watch the highlights of the game. But what stood out to me, I think it was Isabel Kelly yes. and um, Tonegado just turned it on to score the first 
drive for the Dragons. That was impressive. I really liked what I saw from um, the uh, left centre for the Dragons. She turned just to Sergis inside out. McGregor, was it? We were talking before. McGregor, that's McGregor. it. Yeah, McGregor. She turned Sergis inside out and almost scored a try. It's, mate, it's great footy. It is. Mm. And, I'm, you know, I don't think we are talking out of our ass when we say that. I think, you know, there generally is something there. And I hope there's more games next season and they continue to get something going because, like I said, I think it's slowly becoming probably the best female, you know, sport to watch in Australia, mm. probably behind the Matildas. Yep. No, you nailed it, mate. I think as well we have to accept or come to terms with that the more the female game grows, the more the male game is going to grow. The more people get involved, the more girls are going to come in at a younger age, watch football, play football, get involved. Like I was listening to a podcast the other, actually last night and this bloke was talking about, he coaches, a, I think the Clavelli Crocodiles and Jess Sturgis came down in, in the girls team and she like just did some like a gala day drills with the girls and stuff. And then the next year, so they had one female team. I think they had like a team of six or seven, like there wasn't many girls playing. The next year, now they've got like three or four teams. So it's that impact of these these NRLW stars yep. just coming in, impacting you know the, yep. the young kids. And if you start to follow some of these girls on social media, they're doing the case to grow the game. Mm. They're doing the case. They're getting around. They're going to schools. They're going to like you said, clubs that have female teams, and they're trying to grow the game. I know the blokes do it too, but so they should. You know mm. what I mean? Like the male game has has many years behind it. There's always going to be people that play males that play rugby league mm. but i really do think these girls have sort of taken it upon themselves and understand how important it is you know for their side of, of it all to be role models and you know you're not hearing of any of them getting up to mischief or anything like that um exactly. yeah it's actually a good change of pace from the male game that tends to be clouded by nothing short of idiots Mate, really pumped for next season. I um, dare say we'll probably start touching on that more once Definitely. it kicks off. Beautiful. Yep. My last words, mate, to your comment before, Isabel Kelly, she was fan voted player of the match. She was incredible. Sarah Tagatuki won the Karen Murphy medal, so the player of the match. She was, I think she's a middle, a prop in the middle, mate. She was just up the guts nonstop, phenomenal. Emma Tonegato for the Dragons and the losing side, over 200 metres, 78 post-contact metres. And before the game during the week, she was the NRLW Player of the Year, voted Player of the Year, like our, our Daily M system, um, with Broncos Millie Boyle. So they both split the award. Emma Tonegato was the Player's Champion Award. So I think that's probably more prestigious. You know, all the players that you're reversing week in, week out, they all voted for her. So, yeah, disappointing for the Dragons to lose, obviously, but great season from her. And yeah, it's going to be a really good season going forward and a great competition. So I thoroughly enjoyed that. And I think they're back in October. Which oh, is great. Okay, so, so short, shorter turnaround and I think they get last, right back into it. Yeah, I think last year made it got cancelled because of COVID. So they got stuffed around really hard, unfortunately. And then it's yeah, they're back into it, which is great. So really Yeah, we'll stuff. definitely endeavor to get around that a lot more, I think, mate. Perfect, perfect. All right. Like last week, let's touch base on some NRL news floating around the league. We've got some heated topics, things I need to pull apart with you, mate. Get your opinion because I've yeah, let's let's just get into it. And then obviously top spot betting show to finish it off. I want to start with the, the Parramatta Eels junior. I think you call him junior Bolo now. Or Bolo. I think that's how it's come out. And the commentators have said that's how you meant to say it. So junior Bolo is Sinvin um, on Alexander Brimson. Talk to me, mate. Is it, is it a Sinvin? You know, the head high, not even a head high. It was whiplash kind of bounced off his shoulder. I, it, it, all I know is it changed the momentum of the game. It changed the outcome of the game. It's controversial. 
Apparently, he's taken an early guilty plea. He's going to miss one week. Well, we, we were talking when that happened because it, like, oh, I will say it probably hurt. That's why our line didn't come off in that game. It's too, it's too touch and go. It's just, it, that's not a sin bin. Even if he does make contact with the head, it's not, he wasn't head hunting. Mm. Yeah. 10 minutes in the bin is too big of a penalty for that kind of tackle. Mm-hmm. You've got a front rower, probably one of the biggest, I mean, you know, Big Nelson and AFB probably take the cake for biggest, but Junior's probably not that far behind those two big units. And like 125, like said, I reckon. You know, like easily. Mm. And he's going up against a, a lightweight in Brimson. What do these referees, what do the, the people who are making these judgment calls think is going to occur there? Do they know how physics works? Mm. He's heavier, he's bigger. Mm. Of course, the impact is going to favour him a lot more. You know, you've got a semi-trailer going against a hatchback. <laughs> Like, I love that one. <laughs> what do you think's going to happen? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, I know the the point of impact obviously is a big deal, but it it was it was very touching. Like I remember even live, we were talking about it and going, I don't even think he's made contact with Ed. And then I think I said to you, I think he might have. And then you were like, Yeah, maybe he has. Like it was close. Yeah. On report, take it to the judiciary. Whatever you want to do, not ten in the bin. Penalty at worst. Penalty at worst. Yeah, yeah. Have a look at it later. Mm. And then Titans go in to score a late try, which we can touch on later. But mm. And then, yeah, and we, we, we've mentioned this before, haven't we? Mate, we have. Sinbins have hurt betting lines. Yep. They ha- you cannot control that. Once that game starts, you cannot control what happens in that game. Mm. And the Titans roll in and they score a try and our line's cooked. Frustrating. Yep. It's frustrating because then you see Hamlin Ueli make basically the same tackle and nothing happens. His might have been worse in my opinion. Not worse because I don't think that was anything major as well. But he actually, not that he had a swing on, but the arm actually came around and there was a bit of contact there. But that's, I don't want to go down that alley. We're just, yeah, I, I agree, mate. That, that's my comparison though. That's just I agree. my comparison. I agree. We, yeah, like you said, we don't need to go into, you know, all, all the nitty gritty of it. It's just one person was Sinbin and one person wasn't. Mm. And there was a struck match between those two tackles. Again, we're talking about these inconsistencies and you just, yeah, you, you, you can't get, rub your head around it as a punter, as a, as a lover of the game. Mm. It can drive you away from it sometimes. My last question of this, if, say, what happens if it's Mitch Moses or, or Dylan Brown or Reed Marnie take, making that tackle? No sin bin, hey? Is that fair well, to we'll say? Go to, if we go back to my semi-trailer hatchback analogy, you've now got, an, it probably doesn't happen that way. Mm. They probably bounce off each other and, Keep going. Yeah, you're right. Like, it's just Brimson's decided to pick the biggest bloke on the field and have a crack. Yeah. Like, and Junior's given him his just desserts. Yeah, 100%. Here, here you go, mate. Eat this. Yeah. It's football. It's football. That's not what a Simbin's designed for. Mm. And, and to, Br- to Brimson's credit as well, he would like pretty much said initially from the when he went down, like, it's my shoulder, it's my shoulder. And anyway, it's. Let's wrap it up there, mate. I, I think we're both on the same page and I think a lot of people are as well. Just we gotta we gotta get this stuff out there. But yeah, it's it's frustrating. We just want consistency as fans. But to the same game, we touched base on this last week. I don't wanna spend too much time, but it's happened again. Teams it's the Titans, Eels, the Titans are holding down an Eels player intentionally to give away a penalty so the game stops so they can use their challenge. 
We talked about it last week, mate. I don't know. The league just needs to come out because my understanding, I read some reports, Andrew Abdo, the CEO of the NRL, obviously, over the, before this round started, last round started, he talks to the referee bosses, to the refs, to all 16 teams. Don't let this happen again. This is not in our game. It, it stops now. Round five happens and back-to-back weeks has happened. So I don't know what way they go with it, mate. They just need to pick and stick because it, it's frustrating. And to top it off, in my opinion, well, not in my opinion, it's the truth, that the team that challenged it got it right. I, I just, I'm, I'm gobsmacked. I don't know what way you go with it. This is very similar to what I said last week. And I think, was it Brisbane who I thought got it half right when they tried to give away the penalty, but then they didn't back themselves mm. and, and actually follow through with the challenge. It's got to be one way or the other. It's got to be, you can only challenge the ref's decision. And if you stop deliberately stop play or deliberately give away a penalty, the challenge is no longer accessible, if mm. that makes sense. You held, you, nah, you've held the player down in Iraq. Yeah, yeah, because I want to challenge this. No. Nah. That's you, you, sorry, mate. That's you can't use your challenge, mm. or you just have it, which I much prefer, which is the next ruck, the next tackle made. You can go as the captain, ref challenge, ref stops play. What do you want to challenge, mate? You can mm. challenge anything from that last ruck, including that last ruck, to the current ruck, mm-hmm. anything you want. It's got to be one way or the other, it has to be. Heavy stipulations or none at all. Mm. It can't be where we are at the moment where it's like, yeah, sometimes they, they allow, you know, some teams know how to work the system and they know how to challenge and stop play or whatever. But you flip the coin and you're like, if Titans get those calls wrong, it doesn't actually happen again, mm. does it? Because the challenge doesn't exist. Because You know, it's a, tough, it's a tough topic to find an answer for. But at the moment, how I'm looking at it, this middle ground that they've got isn't going to work. Mm. I, hope, I hope they stamp it out this week. I believe they will. Um, I'm hoping, obviously. But I don't know what way you go because these new rules get brought in and coaches manipulate them. I've talked about this for the last months and months. Like They know there's, little, there's a loophole here. So coaches say, boys, if you think there's been a call, you've been held back with a professional foul, lay them, give away a penalty, challenge it. So if they, whatever way the NRL goes, I think the coaches are going to, they're going to try and manipulate or loophole something else in. So it's going to be interesting what happens, but it has to stop now. Well, I guess too, I'll give you another scenario. Your, your team's on the back foot and you say, bring in these new stipulations or rules where you go, you can challenge whenever you want, hmm. not just the reps call. Your team's on the back foot in the, you know, qualifying final, preliminary final, there's 30 seconds to go and you've still got your challenge. And the next play you think the team is going to score, you can potentially stop play and reset your line down for all that. I literally had the same thought last night at the gym. You're defending, you know, you've got a team jamming there and they make a long field, long break downfield. Um, your fullback come, comes across, tackles him, they're 15 out. None of your blokes are on, you know, back on side. The, the team's about to score. Like, let's just say Dylan Edwards is back there for our Panthers. He makes the tackle. Ref, I want to make a challenge, challenge. No worries, we'll go to the challenge. All your team gets back and there was nothing in it. They just obviously save that in the bank yeah i don't know i don't know mate i I don't think the answer is quite there yet i guess we'll see what happens this week because Mm -hmm. yeah we've just basically in 30 seconds exposed you know both sides of the coin so it's going to be a difficult one for them to get their head around um 
maybe they just leave it how it is. And because I do, I do like the challenge rule. I think a lot of the times when the teams who are switched on and the right people make the challenge, like initiate the challenges, it's good for the teams and refs are making mistakes and it's good when the team who makes the challenge, you know, it gets corrected. So is it fair to say then, is it fair to say if they keep it how it is that if you lay on the tackle and, you know, do a um, professional foul that you just got to go to the bin, whether your team gets the challenge right, is that the way we have to go? I think, and again, this is this five-minute sim bin thing, yeah, which is okay, much, nice. much better. I think you can, you, you're allowed to lay on the, on the player to get the challenge, but you want to be 100% sure because if you do get it wrong, you go five in the bin. That could be, that could be a good outcome, this whole saga, which is very great at the moment. Yep, we'll allow you to lay on the ruck if you believe that you, you there's a penalty or we've missed something um, or we've got the call wrong. Yeah. But if you get it wrong, you're going five in the bin. I like that. Done. Why can't then the players are going to be really wary of mm. laying down on the player yep. to get to have a look at it. I don't think I think you'll see it stamped out. The smarter teams, your top teams, they won't lay on the players. Okay. They won't lay on the players. They, they'll only challenge the calls of the ref. I can guarantee you that. Though all the top teams are built around defense. And I think one of the pillars of that is you don't give away penalties and you don't, definitely don't get sin bins and sent off. Yep. Spot on, mate. I agree. Could be an outcome. Beautiful. Let's hope they touch that that up this this round and we'll reassess. I've actually got something that just that's jumped to my mind, mate. Not regarding, I, I guess it's the referees, but the rules. What's your thoughts? I was listening to a podcast last night. So, you know, teams when they're packing a scrum, attacking teams, our boys, 20 out. Defensive teams are, they're purposely being offside to stop the play. Do you think we have to bring in a professional foul for that? Because pretty much every team, teams are coming off their line, offside, giving away a penalty, knowing that they're going to stop play, play and slow the play down. And there's no repercussion. It's just, you know what I mean? An extra tackle offside. It is, it is, um, it is, I have noticed it's creeping in a lot more. Bro, teams are purposely um, doing it. They're purposely doing it knowing prefer to give away one extra tackle than letting a try. Because most teams. So, uh, and I think it was the, the Rabbitohs that sort of developed a real strike from Grums or essentially set play. They were scoring a lot of points from that, you know, that scrum sort of scenario. They're probably the best team at getting getting the ball over the line in that circumstance. And it became a very dangerous sort of um, defensive situation for a lot of teams. And I guess a way to stop that is by doing exactly what you said. I still think that the top teams are going to score points against you if you give them enough looks that mm-hmm. close to the line. Like, I don't think you're seeing them rush up offside when the team's got a, a scrum on their own 30. I think you're no. seeing this 20 metres out. It's a very sort of set scenario that doesn't happen too much. 100%. I, I have noticed it a lot, and I have noticed that teams, another scenario very similar to that one you mentioned, is teams will happily defend on their goal line for multiple sets. Mm. The good defensive teams. They will flirt with being offside and giving away six again on their goal line, particularly when it's a lesser team that doesn't really have that attacking flair and they, they know they can hold them out. I think it was, um, I can't remember which team it was against 
against the um might have been the Bulldogs, and they were just going a short drop out all the time because they were they had belief in their defence. It's very, very similar, right? I think to, for it to become a professional foul, you'd probably have to see a lot more points scored from those situations. Very like A lot more teams would have to be sort of doing what the Rabbitohs, would, the Rabbitohs two years, a year ago were doing and scoring a lot of points. I still don't think we're seeing enough points scored off scrums for that to sort of be legitimised. Mm-hmm. I think if it was like, oh no, you know, the team's got a, a scrum 20 metres out, they're going to score. I think that's a that yeah. be, that's when it becomes a problem. I still think defending from your scrum, you know, it should you're, you're a first grade NRL team. You should be able to defend. Yeah, um, definitely an interesting point. I think um, Isaac Tago even did it at one point. Rushed up and he was a mile offside. And sorry to butt in. I think like all the maybe not all the teams. I reckon all the good teams defensively are getting trained like that now. If if you're yeah. in any doubt, if you're on two minds, 50-50, if because you see so many times a halfback will feed the scrum and even another player will come around the back and you'll create an extra number or the halfback will, whatever way they run their attack. And I, I don't know. I'm just going to, I'm going to start dialing in on it a bit more because I'm seeing it. And I'm just trying to understand because so many teams are purposely doing it, but it's an interesting one and we'll see. Definitely something to monitor. I'll, yeah. I, I do agree. I, I have noticed it. I haven't necessarily noticed it off the scrum, but I have noticed it off the goal line a lot. A lot of like six agains are happening off that goal line, particularly if defensive teams, if the defensive team gets a little bit out of shape, mm. um, someone pokes their head through the line a little bit, the next sort of ruck, there will be a shooter. Yeah. So I have um, I have noticed that, but not necessarily so much the scrum side of things. Definitely one to look out for, but mate, because I think there is probably some merit in there because a lot of teams are dangerous from that set play scrum sort of scenario. Yeah, mate. Yeah, next time you're watching and a team's 20 out, right? Tommy Turbo, a Latrell, a Cody Walker, a Teddy. Um, Luai, whatever, just have a look and we'll, we can chat about it in the future, see what your, your thoughts are because it's, it's on my radar. That's enough for the refs and not bashing them, just they're questions and dis- discussions that need to be talked about in our opinions. So, bit of a laugh here. The, the, the streaker on the weekend, there were some wild activities, people jumping on the field. Um, apparently, that, that security guard from the Gold Coast Titans, mate, that Titans game, he's um, been caught up to the Tigers. He's got a Tigers contract. He's... <laughs> Big right. What a tackle. Top ropes. Oh, I'll tell you what. I would have him over any player in that West Tigers team at the moment. I think he made a – his tackle was better than any tackle made by any West Tigers player last week. Oh, Christ. Oh, my God. That's the topic for our last game of the uh, uh, round anyway. But There's nothing in I that mean, streaker. Like, you know how everyone's blowing up or – Security guards in trouble, da, da, da. She's come out. It's all good, isn't it? I, I can't believe yeah, I what think, we're talking about. I thought there must have been some um, motive with the pitch invasion stuff this round because there was that other game where the guy brought the flare out and then two other guys, I think, came out at the same time and, you know, she gets levelled at Titan, the Titans game, and it's all sort of happening. I'm like, you know, is this some, is there an ulterior motive this round to get, you know, some bleeding heart some airtime? I didn't really understand what was going on. Um, also don't think they know or understand how flair works either and why that we had to put it out on the field. Um, <laughs> there was a, a lot of sort of, yeah. It was a weird round. That was, it was a weird, weird round with that kind of thing, but nothing in it really. I don't see anything in that. Uh, you, you, you do silly things, you win silly prizes and, you know, she's all good. Perfect. Maybe just a few sore ribs and 
he's probably been signed for, you know, <laughs> top 25 contract for the, the Mighty Tigers. That's it, Everyone's right? a winner. I love Everyone's it. Everyone's a winner. All right. Our last topic before we get into our betting show, mate, I know you wanted to touch base on this. Latrell Mitchell's obviously, I believe he's out for roughly eight weeks with a hamstring injury, a hamstring tear. Um, and that opens up a spot in the origin side for the Blues, the Mighty Blues. So Fittler's come out, I believe, yesterday and just some rough names. Who he's looking at is Bradman Best, plays on the left side. Our boy Stephen Crichton. He's used to play on the left last year. He's playing on the right now. Um, Berto had that spot, but he can play on both sides. Over the last 24 months, he's proven that. And obviously, Matt Burton yeah. killed it last year for us on the left. He's um, won a comp. Now he's at the Doggies playing 5'8". Thoughts on those three blokes? Is there, I know there's a few people you wanted to chuck in the mix as well. Uh, is there other players we're missing here? Obviously, we've got a soft spot for Birdo, right? Hmm. He did get data. He's the incumbent Daly M center of the year. I actually think he's a better center than he is a 5'8". Um, I know it seems crazy. He isn't a natural 5'8", but I think to be able to go three wide and have your center drop the ball on the toe with the defensive line up, Mm. is just an invalu- invaluable trait um, to have in, in the modern game with the way things work. I just think that there's more specialist centres out there and even players who are playing, you know, other positions currently who are probably still better centres. I think you mentioned Jack Whiten. He's been there and done it before. Play. He's been there, done it before. If I had to pick between Crichton and Best, I think Crichton's probably got the big game experience and I'd probably have more faith in him. I do think Best is destructive, um, very destructive. He's, like His defence has gotten a lot better this year. I did touch on that in a previous podcast. He's really been impressive with his defence and I think that's evident in how good the Knights are going. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that you know you sort of worry when the pressure cooker's on whether the bad habits creep back in and whatnot. But there's a player that I sort of really, and I mean, he's probably a victim of how his side's going. And yeah, he did have the, the dropsies a bit last round, but Zach Lomax, mm. big, rangy center, has a good offload, good flick pass, great at getting on the outside of his player, can kick goals too, mm. big thing. I know Cleary's in the team, he's probably no doubt going to goals, but you know, nothing's, nothing's a certainty. It's another feather in his cap, right? I'd probably have him above Bradman Best, personally. Same, yeah. <laughs> I'd probably rule Burton out. I think Burton's got to probably worry a bit more about other things first. Has he registered a try assist yet? Uh, I'm not I too sure. I don't think he's registered yeah. a try assist. I don't think he has. Yeah, there's. I just think in, an, in the Origin Arena, had he been at Penrith, hmm. he, he probably gets a run. Yeah, maybe Critter for me or, or Zach Lomax are probably my two bets there. I don't know what you think. Um, I agree with Critter. I think he's playing on the right and it wouldn't surprise me if Turbo moved over to the left. Like he's versatile. I don't know what way they go, mate, because I, unfortunately I don't think Jack Whiten's locked in the 14 jersey this year. There's still a long way to go. It, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great issue to have, I guess, because there's so much depth there. Definitely. And if, if Trell and Turbo are fit, for example, like the talent coming through, Bradman Best, Critter, Whiten's been there before, Lomax, Burton, like, these are guys that might not play Origin for five, six, seven years. They're like Turbo and Trello are so young still. Like it's, it's crazy yeah. to think. It's yeah. a it's a very tough era to be an outside back or in the back line and mm. um, 
and fine representative jerseys because you've got a lot of young guys who have probably got those positions under wraps. Like you take the halfback jersey from New South Wales, for example. But if you're a halfback now, you're not getting it. You're not getting it because Nathan Cleary's, that's his for the next 10 years. Yep. Barring catastrophe. I think you, you can look at that with the center position, fullback position too. Teddy's a bit older now, but mm. he'll just become the old head that calms the situation and very, very good place to be in for New South Wales. I know we had that lapse where we should have beaten them two years ago, but I just think the steam, the steam train kicks back off again and we'll probably get on a bit of a roll this time around. Beautiful, yeah. If I had, if I had um, some cash on it, mate, my pick would be Critter. As biased as it sounds, I think he's probably just got a defensive combination of Cleary or Luai, whatever way you want to put him. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, so. yeah agree. Should we get into our betting show? Having a bet on the footy this week? Top this. Top Sport will give you $2 lines on all AFL, NRL and rugby matches. Plus much, much more. Top that. Visit topsport.com.au. Top Sport. Feel the excitement. Gamble responsibly. Yeah, and let's let's see how we go this week. Um, I think four from eight. Um, and probably our most heartbreaking round oh, since, since this all kicked off. I'm still hurting. To lose... To lose two games by a total of like two points on the line. A lot of teams, we were victims of started hunting field goals and that hurt our game, I think, in the Warriors, with the Warriors. Then we um, we lost by 0.5, I think, in, um, in, in another game. I really sort of think the only ones we got wrong and badly were the Sharks and, and the Roosters. And I think we could have probably been in easily six out of eight, but we roll on. We we cut even. The mighty Panthers by 0.5 got us got us over the line. So no harm's really done there. We're still sitting at that nice fifty percent mm-hmm. uh, mark. And yeah, hopefully we can get into that green a bit more this round, which is probably looking a lot more favourable. Bit of form is starting to become true, and there's some good matchups that make it a little easier. Perfect, mate. For those following at home, they should know that our best bet of the week last week cashed in again. It was a nice little, a little futures top four kind of discussion we had last week. Storm head to head, Eels head to head, Sharks head to head, and Panthers head to head. That was an easy double up. But this week, mate, we've gone a bit exotic. You know, Easter weekend, long weekend. We're feeling good. The energy's in the air. We're on the way up. So, got a multi here, six dollars. And if you want to chuck a top up token with Top Sport, you're going to get a bit more. But six dollars, tail and May, any time for the Panthers. Melbourne Storm head to head. Daniel Tupu, any time for the Roosters. And just to Easter Monday, finish the round, recap it off. Penasini, big Penasini for the Eels to score any time. So three try scorers any time and Melbourne head-to-head. I like that, mate. You know, we're, we're grinding the kitty up. Uh, we've got about 425 in there. I thought we'll, we'll roll the dice this week. Yeah, obviously staying clear of the uh, try scorer in that Melbourne Sharks game. Um, it's probably game of the round, um, really. and. as much as we are getting around the Sharks and we love what Fitzgibbon's doing there, it might be just a bridge too far for for them at the moment with Melbourne. Melbourne seem to really be finding the groove with Grant and and co dominating teams and just, yeah, steering clear of the try scorers in that game. It could be anyone, anyone's chance to have a crack. Taylor May continuing his form. Our boy Tupo loved him since the start of the season. Mm -hmm. Hopefully he finds the chalk and, um, and Penasini against, the worst team to ever play in the NRL <laughs> basically should be cashed in right now. Beautiful. Love it, mate. $6, top sport. 
Here we go. Round six, Thursday night, the Canberra Raiders host the North Queensland Cowboys. We like the home team here, mate. Raiders minus four. I still think the Raiders showed enough for me um, against Melbourne. They managed to put 16 points on Melbourne, which is encouraging enough. I do like what I'm seeing from the Raiders, regardless of result. Um, we have, you know, been pretty successful, reasonably successful with the Raiders. So I do think that they have much more upside than the Cowboys. Um, obviously, the Cowboys narrowly losing to the Warriors isn't actually flattering because the Warriors aren't really... I know they had SJ and... You know, it was a great game nonetheless. But, yeah, I just think if you're letting 25 points in against the Warriors, a team who manages to put 16 on the on the Storm are going to give you headaches. That's no, spot on. I think um, Raiders as well at GIO Stadium down in Canberra, two from two. Yeah. So it's, things are pointing our way there. I like it, mate. Get our boy Jackie, tuck the ball under and run hard. Yeah, he's gonna, he's, I reckon he's going to be in for a big game. Good Friday, 4 p.m. The... Um, Prestigious clash, I guess you could say. It's there every year, the Easter clash. The South Sydney Rabbitohs host the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs. And we like the home team here, mate. The Rabbitohs minus 10.5. I don't understand that line. Mm. Um, I know Latrell's out, but I'm assuming Taff comes in. Yep. Who can do a role. He's played grand final. I like what I see from the kid. He gives him enough. Ilias has probably somewhat proved me wrong. He's... Starting to find some form. I like what I'm seeing from the kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I was worried that first grade could swallow him up and spit him out, but he's gotten better with every game, regardless of their results. It's only a two tr- two converted try margin there um, against the Bulldogs, who are leaking points left, right, and centre. And it's good value that line, I believe. Like I don't really have much more to say about that. I think it's pretty straightforward that line. It's probably mm-hmm. the one, the only one that'll lose this week. Now that I've said that, but yeah, it's minus ten and a half for Souths. No worries. Beautiful, mate. 7.55, Bluebet Stadium, Friday now, our boys, Penrith Panthers host the Brisbane Broncos. And we talked about the Lions last week getting, starting to creep up. Minus 21.5 here, mate. Penrith. Yeah. If the Broncos had Payne Haas, I'd mm. probably be inclined to maybe back this in. But I just think when you lose your, your, your main guy in a forward pack against the Penrith forward pack, I mean... Again, weather is going to be a big one. Mm. I think we haven't given that enough respect. I think if the weather sort of stirs it up, maybe the plus line becomes a little bit better here mm. or gets a bit breezy, whatever. But I think Penrith just steamrolled them through the middle. Um, Broncos are slowly starting to look like the 2021 Broncos. I, I think that they need to address some other issues there, club-wise and on the field too. Um, not sure whether Walters is the man to lead them forward, but that's another topic. Yeah, just the Penrith boys, plenty of points in us. Um, you know that they're probably not going to let any more than 12 in. So definitely the minus line, I think, is the sensible bet there. Yep. No, I love it. And you know it as well with like at Penny Park on a on a Friday or Saturday night, the dew can creep in. We'll touch base on the weather and reassess with the late mail. But yeah, I like it, mate. This, you know, you reckon this could be a line where it sneaks out to 22, 23, 24, maybe? We reassess? Yeah, he's easily. I think I think it's set at that line probably because the weather is very ominous at the moment. And, it, mm. you know, we saw that last week. I, I thought there'd be plenty of games that were played in the wet and they weren't. So yeah. I think, yeah, it's just a pretty sort of cautious line at the moment. And I think if it does sort of firm up and the weather stays away, you could easily probably see it creep out a little bit, which might favour the Broncos. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the, through the middle just worries me. Yep. Beautiful. Saturday, 5.30 p.m., the Manly Seagulls host the Gold Coast Titans. 
Still no Tommy Turbo, but last week it was not an issue, mate. We got the plus line with Manly and we cruised home there to start the round. So, oh, Yeah, you know, what we touched on again. They were getting the job done back into the season there mm. without without Turbo. And I backed that in. And I don't even, I think they named Cooler in the back, at the back there and everything was juggled around. And yeah, just again, Manly seemed to produce without the man himself, Turbo Less, got the job done for us. So I'm backing them again this week. And the Titans again have proven to be that team that just, they have what, they have the players on the pitch, but mm. it's not really, um, it's not really getting them the, points on the competition ladder. Yeah, they're hot and cold, mate. So your home side here, Manly, minus 5.5. Game of the round, the Melbourne Storm hosts Cronulla Sharks. Um, We like them, obviously, head-to-head Melbourne for our best bet of the week, but we like the home side, minus 6.5 as well. I say this so cautiously because I think we said just before the potty, I don't like 6.5. I like 5.5. Yeah. Because it's one try, converted try. 6.5 means it you're probably going to have to score some more points. Cronulla, they're sort of slowly becoming that team that we're getting around this season. Mm. Um, but touched on it, you know, with their performance last week, I just really, really like what Melbourne and putting out there through the ruck, Harry Grant, best young hooker that we've seen probably since the bloke that he took the reins from. You've got the cheese doing a roll, Happy's back with mm. a vengeance. Yeah, I just think six, six and a half is probably a credit to the Cronulla and how they've been playing. But mm-hmm. yeah, just that bridge too far at the moment for them. I know I sort of said that last week and they proved me wrong, but I just didn't realise that I was bearing witness to the worst team. And I've said it three times and I'm going to keep on saying it, the worst <laughs> team to ever play in the NRL, um, the West Tigers. So Melbourne minus six and a half here, mate, I think it's probably the go. Is it fair to say that Harry Grant is the Storm's most important player right now? Because he's incredible through the middle rock, just controlling everything. He's got this unreal combination of chemistry with Pappy now. Like he's playing like a second half back in these backline movements. I, I'm just blown away. Like they're just another team with him there. You can tell when he's not playing, put it that way. Yeah. Yep. You can definitely tell when he's not playing. Mm. There's no, they, they, they seem to attack straighter. Mm. They seem to. So direct. Yeah. Yeah. So direct. The forwards, you know, obviously love having him there. He takes a lot of ruck pressure away from the big men. It plays plays that role beyond his years, but that's what happens when you, you know, you play second fiddle to Cam Smith at the start of your career and you've got the build like Harry Grant does and the head like he does and he makes things happen. My two cents quickly, Cronulla Sharks I love. I still think they're a top four side, but I've seen this year after year with the Melbourne Storm. Bellamy just finds the, the main player on their opposing team, whether it's clear in a 2020 grand final, whether it's Turbo last year in the finals, he just finds them. And I think Nico Hines is going to have a very tough day out. They're going to dial straight into him, give him no time. His kicking game, which has improved, but it's still not 100%. And I think it's they're going to make it, yeah, very tough for the Sharks. So can't wait for that clash, but home side there, Melbourne Storm. Sunday, Easter Sunday, the Sydney Roosters host the Warriors. We like the home side here, minus 14.5. Last week, we had them on the minus. They started a bit slow. They just couldn't kick away. It was a weird week last week, but we think they're going to bounce back. The Roosters look like they're that team that week to week, things are a bit different, but I reckon they're in for a big one here, mate. I was sort of going to let you take the lead on this one, mate, because you did mention a few good things, which I did agree with, which was they sort of felt like they just needed that one try in that game and they had the opportunities. I think they they cooked a couple of opportunities there. I think it was um, Satili 
Mm, yep. um, with the grounding, oh. like, he just felt like they needed, you know, that one try and the belief would begin and probably the Broncos dropped their head. They kick away for sure. Over. Yeah, they kick away for sure. So, yeah, they got the victory. And, I mean, Broncos had some pretty freakish players last week, like plays and, and you know, performances from players. You know, Katoni Staggs went vintage. Mm. Um, that palm on Walker. <laughs> scary. Scary. Oh, that nice. was that was big boy talk, that. That yeah. was big boy talk. Um, got, got points there. So matchup wise, Broncos did manage to expose the the Roosters quite well in some areas, but in saying that, I think it could easily have been a you know sixteen point margin there last week against the Warriors. Very very similar sort of team with where they're at. Fourteen and a half. You think the Roosters get it done? Still waiting for Teddy to really start showing what he's um what he's capable of this year too. Oh, he's so frantic for some reason. This attack, it's so weird. Like today, like he just doesn't look himself right now. So frantic. I know I've said it week after week. New hooker, spines, the halves haven't played together. It's just, I don't know, strange. And I think Joey Manu yeah. was he was my player of the week. He pretty much saved, in my opinion, two tries from dummy half, essentially. Just get out of my way. Let's get this win, boys. Let's move on to next week. So Roosters, they are going to bounce back this week. 4.05 p.m. Win Stadium on Sunday. So the George, oh, this is weird. This is weird. St. George Illawarra Dragons host the Newcastle Knights. The Knights are the outsiders in this one. I don't really, we talked off here. I don't get it. So we like the Knights plus 3.5. Yeah, I don't know really what the Knights have done. Well, I think I've touched on it a couple of times now. It's just their errors mm. um, from the Knights. And I did predict this early on with that first round victory against the Roosters. Yeah. I did say, the way they play, this side-to-side footy, getting teams bent out of shape, it's great. When the uh, mistakes start to creep in, it can produce problems. You want to be very sure of your defence if you're going to start playing footy like that. And I think it's just been evident with the Knights over the last couple of weeks. They're just dropping the pill too much. There's too many errors and it's costing them games. Mm-hmm. But they're a better team than what they've shown the last few results. St. George of on the other hand, was liking what I saw, but I really think Griffin has basically put them to the sword himself before they've even got out on the field. Some of his team selections, I don't know what Tyrone Sloan has done, whether he slept with his wife or what he's done, but I tell you what, that kid should not be playing reserve grade. Yep. No, I totally agree, mate. Maguire comes back. Burgess, Woodsy's dropped out of the team. I just don't get it. It's all over the shop. Amon's playing 14. We raved about that last week. I don't know. Maybe they get it together this week, but the Knights on the plus, mate. I just, I can't go past that. I think their back line's better. Anyway, we'll see how that turns out. I think out. we did touch on that. You just reminded me, mate, before the potty too. The, probably the strength of the Dragons is their outside backs, their um, two through to uh, five, sorry. Mm. And um, I just think that the Knight, that's playing into the Knights' hands because I think that's where, that's the sort of the, the best part of the Knights too. So it's sort of, takes a lot of the sting out of um, where I believe St. George can score. And if we had to have a battle over the um, the number one jersey, I think it's a knockout victory to Ponga regardless of his form because Envy just should not be playing. Yep, spot on. Edric Lee plays his first game in 18 months, I believe. So go the Knights, plus 3.5. Easter Monday, mate. The last game of the round and we'll get you on your way. 
the Parramatta Eels host officially the worst team in rugby league ever, in the NRL ever, the West Tigers. Um, Eels here, minus 21.5. It's a massive line. I think you, you've got some kind words to say for the um, Tigers, mate. First blacklisted team. There it is. Um, for our betting show. So I want everyone to know it. We are never getting on the West Tigers again this season. This line could be 30 and a half, and I'd still stick to my guns and back Parramatta. <laughs> West Tigers should be ashamed of themselves. The fact that those blokes even got paid last week is an absolute joke. Ken, Ken Marmolow has been dropped, and rightly so. That was the worst performance I've ever seen defensively from a winger. He might as well have not been on the field. You know, against a Cronulla Sharks team who still haven't hit their straps. Bro, they were in they second just, gear. They were in second gear. They weren't great. Yeah. You know, they, they actually were poor, probably by their standards that we've seen over, over the five rounds. They were poor. Mm. You know, they were dropping the pill. They, I think they actually were leading the Eric. Yeah, there you go. At some stage. I remember going, wow. Or might not have been leading the Eric count. I think they'd made more errors in the first half than they had all season. At like nine. Yeah, mate. The West Tigers, I, I can't believe Madge is still at the helm. Do you feel um, for him? Do you feel for him? Or you just, obviously he's trying to feel it, like fulfill his contract. He's not going to walk early in regards to payments and stuff. But how long can a man give? How long can this club, like how long are we literally, it's six weeks going into weeks, round six. How long can we sit here? Because it, That's what I think. It's sad looking at this guy in the coach's box. He's just drooped down. He looks like he wants to burst out in tears and I don't blame him. Like it is... It's tough to watch. I actually feel for, I feel for Tigers fans as bad as that sounds. Like I just, I'm speechless. I don't know where they go. It's, it's tough. It's tough to watch, bro. I don't have an answer there. Yeah. I really don't. I don't see him lasting beyond round 10. I think you asked me that question. You said, does he make round 10? I just said yep. flat out, no. Yep. I actually thought he'd be gone by now after last week's performance. It's just good to see that he's making the hard decisions. Like he's sort of not, he's actually trying things. There was some, I think even, there's some players that have been named that are lucky to even have been named. He's moved Garner, I believe, to the centers, which I think is just to try and shore up his defense. He's put a back back rower, similar to sort of what Griffin's trying with Jack Bird, I guess, at 5A. Just really mm-hmm. trying to fix. He's seen a weakness and he's trying to plug a hole there. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see how it goes, but it's the wrong, it's unfortunately just the wrong matchup for them mm-hmm. this week to even try and get some momentum. And I just don't think they're capable of it. I think they need to move Luke Brooks on. They've tried to move, I think, Luke Brooks to the six and get Hastings leading the team around. He's obviously a big inclusion for them. And I know they don't have Dewey yet. I don't see those players changing this team. I just mm-hmm. don't think they are that caliber. I don't think Hastings is a player that you sort of look at and go, oh, that he changes the West Tigers. And, and it's exactly the same with Dewey. They obviously make the team better, but they're not going to all of a sudden, you know, overturn the Parramatta Eels because one of those two players is back. Yeah, mate. Eels minus 21.5 to the Tigers. Last year, they got pizzled. This year, it's just, it's sad. So that's that's my last comments. Um, that's round, round six, mate. Any last comments? Or... No, let's, um, again, let's try and get this in the green. I feel like we're hanging in tough for mm. how difficult some of these rounds have been. And I really think that this is the round where we're starting to see that clear form come in. There are those teams that are sort of a bit shaky still. Roosters probably on top of that list for us. It is starting to, to level out and yeah, let's hopefully get a, get off to a good start with the Raiders and then finish strong with power. Yep. Perfect, mate. 
Easter, everyone enjoy it. Long weekend. Get out in the air. Just enjoy yourselves. Watch the footy. Can't wait. Top sports best bet of the week from us at $6. Tail and May from the Panthers anytime. Melbourne Storm head-to-head to beat the Sharks. Daniel Tupu from the Roosters anytime. And Will Penasini from the Parramatta Eels. Easter Monday anytime. That, that's it from us, mate. I hope everyone enjoyed that. And um, always gamble responsibly. Brought to you by Top Sport. Thank you for listening to Paddy's Playable. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's much appreciated. Don't forget to check out our Instagram page, at Paddy's Playable. We post fun, engaging content every single day. Once again, we really appreciate your support. See you next time. Let's go.